Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Talking in Stations. I'm your host, Rain, and I'm joined by Nick Bison, our engineer, LB, one of our staff and guests, and a new member, Thomas Wilk, who's here to join us to talk about Faith Abolis and the fighting in the South. Kind of went over that really quickly, but LB, do you want to give us a quick introduction about yourself? I'm not sure how frequently you appear on these shows. This is the first time you've joined me. I think this is my second time on Talking in Stations. So I've been playing EVE Online since 2012. I've been in various rental alliances. I was in Imperium for a little bit, and now I'm in What Could Possibly Go Wrong, and we're living in Esoteria with uh, Red Menace Coalition. I stream roughly two nights a week, and I'm on uh, open comms as well. Alrighty, thank you. And then, Thomas, I'll pass it to you if you want to give us an introduction to yourself and maybe a little background, because I know you're our star guest this evening. Hey, uh, I'm Thomas Wook. I am a FC4 Pandemic Horde currently, ex-Strat FC4 Test Alliance, please ignore Started out in 2016 as a high-sec Care Bear and later Nullsec Care Bear, who got to learn FCing in Warp Intentions and later properly in Test Alliance or in the start of World War B2. And yeah, was in the ranks, learned a lot. I would say I'm decent, I think. So yeah, I'm glad to be on the show. We're glad to have you. Thank you. And so to kind of kick us off with the news this week, I know a lot of folks have been talking about, what was it, the $1 trillion battle? Yeah, I think it was the $1 trillion battle that happened down in Faithabolus Esoteria area. And so that's why we have you on, Thomas, as you're, you were in FC in that fight with the Dread Brawl. And then LB, since you're living down there, you've probably seen the day-to-day -day action that's been going on for probably the past month or so. I'm kind of looking for a history. I know, Thomas, you mentioned earlier you were mostly focused on that fight. So I'm going to pass this one to LB. Do you want to give us a history that's been going on down, the, down in those? Sure, I can give you a brief overview of it. <clears throat> Sorry. So from the, from the point of view of Red Menace Coalition, we've lived in in the south for a bit we used to be part of fire coalition itself uh, during the war we split off and we've lived in catch aquarius impasse and now esoteria and we've been chased across the map by fire coalition ever since fire coalition tends to it's gonna sound inflammatory but bat phone test alliance and pandemic horde so when it's fire coalition versus rmc pretty even matches when it's when the bat phones show up, we get our shit pushed in. So that's why we've been moving across the map. We're, we have a relationship with the Imperium. So sometimes we're blue, sometimes we're not. In this particular instance right now, we are blue to Imperium. So they've come to assist us in, in maintaining our SOV in Esoteria. And that's where the fight in Faith Abolis has popped up. Alrighty. So I know from World War B2 or Vietnam... Obviously, Test and Legacy used to live in Esoteria before. Now they've moved more north, so it kind of left that void and that gap. So Red Menace Coalition and then Fire used to kind of live near there, and then they've obviously split. So it sounds like there's some bad blood between Fire and RMC. But at the, And then at the same time, it doesn't surprise me that Fire also batphones Test because Test used to be you know, an ally. Especially before Vietnam, they were they were the Legacy Coalition, so or I guess the Greater Legacy Coalition. I think Fire Coalition's kind of smaller now. So that that history there doesn't really surprise me, and it's also interesting too because like Imperium lives right next door. I shouldn't say right next door, but close enough to where getting to Faithabolus and then Esoteria is actually quite simple. Like it's just a couple jump bridges, and they can go in and join in on the fighting. I I understand what you're saying with the bat phones because it. It's kind of frustrating when you're trying to like 
have a brawl with your like arch nemesis or something along those lines and then everyone calls everyone next thing you know you're just like some you're just like a lonely f1 monkey out there with a massive fight going and you're just like these guys don't even know what they're doing but i at the same time i get it if, i've heard some folks say eve is kind of slow right now like there's no major fighting and brawling so a lot of people are probably jumping on the chance to have these fights and obviously we saw that happen this last week with the trillion dollar dread brawl so kind of with that history thank you lb i'm gonna pass it then back to thomas to talk about what happened i believe it was I think it was April 1st, but I also remember, I feel like I've blocked a lot of things that happened on April 1st as being fake news. So I'm going to just refer to it as like the dread brawl. So I don't know if you want to start there, Thomas. I know you're with Horde. So I'm assuming fire, bat phoned Horde. And then you guys showed up and started brawling. Can you kind of give me a little bit of history there and kind of how it all went down and escalated? Well, the fights are on the 30th of March, I think. Definitely a Wednesday, so. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. So basically, um, a Fortizar armor timer came out, and like, as far as I remember, both sides were like gigapinging for it because the defenders have most of the time a clear advantage on defensive timers. Fire wanted to protect it, so did Horde. It first started out with the Horde sig that is active in the area at least, but due to goons and you know basically the entire Imperium showing up, it turned out to be a big. Horde Sig first started putting caps on the Fortizar, as far as I remember, as well as a few subfleets from Pappy in general. I think it was the Imperium showed up. Uh, they decided to engage and they dropped basically a jet bomb on the Horde Sig carriers that were deployed there because when it comes to Fort Defense, a lot of groups use carriers as well as dreads to defend it. So basically, that's how the dread brawl started with. Lagoon's taking the opportunity there to drop on on us, basically, on the fort. And so, like, that's basically where it started off and went absolutely mental with the rage pings from both, both sides. And I was there coordinating reinforcements and later leading a second fleet of mutants to the battle. Nice. And I've, I'm looking at, I posted the battle report in Twitch chat, but if I'm looking at it right, did this actually last, it says start time 1400, end time 2000. Did it actually last six hours? Yeah, it did. Tidai was interesting to say the least. So it took long, but like from the point of the dreadball actually happening and to like more subcap fleets joining in, it was like basically a two hour dreadball and a dreadball and then like three hours of subcap brawling after dreads were all dead. And yeah, it was basically Imperium's goal to like ref the armor timer and like achieve the objective and you know, they paid the price for it. But yeah. So they did actually reinforce the Fortizar, and if I remember correctly, that was the same Fortizar that died yesterday? They reinforced the Fortizar. I think in the same system, there was another Fortizar that came out 20 minutes after the brawl ended, but Imperium went home, so there were two Fortizars in system. Later, though, I think Imperium anchored another Fortizar in system because they took control of the IHUB recently. And there were also giga ping, pings for it. I think that was on April 1st, though. So I think you might be referring to that earlier. And uh, yeah, no fight ensued. Like, Imperium expected us to do the same, basically, feed over the Fortizar that they did, but like reversed in the same system. But and then Imperium anchored the Fortizar, and a few days later, they killed the fort there. Okay. And so there's a, it sounds like you guys are just killing and 
um, just killing Fortizars or fighting over Fortizars? Is there a significance for these Fortizars, or at least in this system? Like, does this system have some significance for staging or anything like that? So, if I remember correctly, like before Imperium got foothold on Fervorbolus, that was a very, like, quite important jumping area as well as like Ansplex area. So, getting into like the south of Fervorbolus and like into Esoteria. I think goons like went for it, like I have for it, so you know we cannot use antiplexes. And you know because I think Imperium State goes to clear favorable balls that taking out forts is their goal. That's basically why they took it. Okay, so they just want to clean out Faithabolus, and you guys are just there defending fire or any of your friends. This well, Horde is just looking for fights. I think. I think the SIG there is like also looking for fights, but I think Fire knows, and I think Horde also knows that Favorable uh, is just, you know, just a floodplain basically to put in Matani's words. But uh, like, I think both sides are just looking for a lot of fights and, you know, good fights as well. And that Fort was one, at least for our side, and I think also for Goons, because they seem to have a lot of fun during it. Yeah, that makes sense. So you guys are just sort of. So at least Imperium and then Test and Horde are just there for the good fights, whereas LB over here is essentially trying to defend his home and his honor against fire and friends. Yeah, caught in the middle of two brawling giants. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess a little background on RMC, LB. Do you guys, like, where exactly do you live? Is your, like, true home or capital system being attacked, or is it just all the space around it, like, you know, where you guys would rat and crab and whatnot? So with when Test had a SIG deployed and now Pandemic Horde has a SIG deployed, they wouldn't really poke at Sov, but they definitely would jump bridges and, uh, and citadels and stuff like that for the quote-unquote good fights. But what it ends up being is they just step on the neck of, of a smaller coalition and, and hope that they can get some sort of enjoyment out of it. And then they turn around and go, well, there's no way for a small group to, to live in Nelsec. It's so frustrating. Well, yeah. But this is the cause, giant blocks, good fights, and then they just crush little tiny groups. So then we end up bat-phoning Imperium. You see how the cycle goes. You live in a war zone, it's, and it's awful. So do you think all these fights, like... So I'm thinking back with, like, you and Fire fighting. If RMC and Fire are just fighting, do you think these fights would ever actually happen? Like, do you think if nobody was bat phone, that group still just wouldn't show up just to say, hey, let's bring some sniping battleships and just, you know, pick off some easy targets for free kill mails? So Fire is, is kind of strange in that they own a huge swath of space in the south, like from Scalding Pass all the way across the south to, to the edge of Esoteria, right? Faith Abolis. But all these groups are tiny little groups, and all that space is is empty, unused space. It's claimed just for uh, vanity solve, almost. So I don't think fire would, would truck across half the universe just for good fights when they have such a large amount of space to, to crawl through. RMC has been on the back foot since, since they left fire, pretty much. <clears throat> Leaving fire and, and joining the Imperium during the war, which meant they, meant they had to move to Stain. From Stain, they tried to move into Catch during the war. From Catch, they tried to move into Aquarius during the war. Kicked out Aquarius in the impasse. Like, we've been clawing at Sov, losing Sov, trading Sov since for, like, at least 18 months now. The RMC is having, like... To, to think that the fire would provide us good fights, 
maybe on the edge of of their space but like they're not i don't see them bringing like power to bear unless they want to really push us out of esoteria and then they're going to do it with with help from their friends as we would defend with help from our friends okay what what were you gonna say thomas i just would like to point out like fire has been having uh, sorry not fire rmc has been having a pretty tough time since they switched sides during the war and like i think the most recent the reason they went into esoteria is because the test and fire deployed into uh, impasse or in that area i think like correct me if i'm wrong and essentially not necessarily evicted but like rmc fled impasse into esoteria and like left the structures basically there because they didn't really want to take fights because of uh, numerical superiority i think there was there's a little bit of political backdoor stuff there as well with aom dissolving pretty much overnight <clears throat> they sort of handed us esoteria that dissolution so it wasn't necessarily a abandoning of, of impasse it was moving from one fu- fully furnished apartment into another fully furnished apartment don't bother bringing your couch because there's a new couch over there yeah that makes sense and i i hear it enough from dunk dinkle saying the logistics of maintaining null sex soft space is hard enough so i can get why you just don't want to bring all this stuff with you it's a lot of sounds like a lot of effort i wouldn't know personally so with all this fighting so this massive dread ball happens it seems like everyone you know attempted to try and come down while it was happening over those six hours with the tie-dye what does the future look like then like rmc is still living where they are fire still kind of grumpy at them and bat phoning friends which rmc defends so what does what does the future look like? Will this continue? Is this going to continue short term, long term? Well, I think Imperium is, like they've said, they're going to try to clear out Faith Abolus to try to give RMC a little bit of breathing room. RMC has actually brought on Triumvirate and CVA into the coalition on as of Saturday. So we're, we've bolstered our numbers a bit there. So we should be able to hold our own a little bit more. If we can get that breathing room out of, of from, from a clear Faith Abolus, and if Horde goes home and Tess goes home, which I doubt, I foresee Imperium resetting us. They had intentions of resetting us in the past. If they reset us and if Fire leaves us alone, it'll just be RMC fighting the Stainco people, which is tradition. Anybody who lives in Esoteria ends up fighting the Stain people. So like people like Ferrata, Fast Kick, Good Sacks, those, those kind of groups. And they're like really talented, really aggressive groups. But they don't come at you in in giant blobs. They come at you in uh, tornado fleets and and other fun little things like that. So fighting them is actually a good time. Fighting against uh, huge numbers and having to call in bat phones and being in tie dye battles that's not it's not ideal. So we're hoping that bringing in triumvirate and CVA helps us hold that solve. Getting Faith Abolus cleared out gives us a little bit of breathing room to lick our wounds, like fill the wallets a little bit, and then just try to survive after that. Thomas, you think Horde's going to go home when, with Imperium coming in? Oh, the Horde stick that is currently in there, I think they just go where all the fights are, or where there's most content to be had, and obviously to annoy goons. I think main Horde is like only getting bad fun for like the big fights, like JTAC-T, for example. And Tess is somewhat also there with their Retribution fleets. But yeah, I, I see Favorable is like falling, I think both sides accepted that really all right and so if so if horde and test like the horde sig and then the test sigs if they just weren't to contest any of that that would just ultimately end up being just 
mindless structure bash by Imperium, right? Like they would just have to fly around, toast iHubs, maybe TCUs, and then bash structures. I mean, that's what they're doing now, I think, right? Like, I don't okay. think there has been any big fights since the 1st of April, at least. And like, looking at the Dalton map, it's quite clear that Imperium is just like wiping out iHub systems, taking down structures. I think they took down a horde Fortizar in Troy, so TR07. So they're just going to clear out the region, and I do not know what's going to happen next. All right. If you look at Dotland, there's two empty constellations right now, and there's one constellation that's currently on fire. So, And fire, you said, where do they live again? I want to say impasse, but I feel like that's wrong. Uh, fire lives lives. all over the south. I think main fire is like Dedarid, Wick Creek, and Insmutter. Yes, okay, that sounds right. Yeah, Insmutter, that's what I was thinking of. Because I was trying to remember, because I know, I think it was right before Vietnam, and Panfams, like NC Dot and PL, were fighting in cash against Test and Fire. And those are some really fun fights. And I think that's where we were just like going around and harassing each other. So now it's like all the, the tides have turned and Test is now with Horde. Now, as far as I know, Panfam, so I'm in PL. So PL's not, I don't think, has been involved in a lot of this. I'm not sure for what reason, one way or another. No, they haven't. Yeah, but like, I mean, the fights look fun. I remember kind of being jealous when I was reading the news. Everyone was talking about massive dreadball, and I'm stuck in U.S. time zone, so I'm at my day job, not even able to do anything, regardless of what side I'm on. I mean, JTOXY was like definitely fun, but like, if you're in the moment, then it's like still a five-hour brawl, basically, so like with that tide high like i like rip like thinking about it right but like at the time i had like two frames per second and i was like i've seen from that and i was like when is this going to be over when i'm going to stop killing eagles and mutants yeah was it at least decent tie dye? like was stuff responding just slower or was it actually like really bad tie dye where things just wouldn't work i think it was working like all right but like in comparison to the first of april fight with the anchoring imperium fortizar like the node wasn't reinforced so you can expect the tie-dye that you have on an unreinforced node during you know 2,000 people in system yeah it's gonna be rough no matter what something we didn't hit very hard and if you don't mind i'm gonna go back to it is that that trillion isk in a fight that's got i don't care who you are that hurts man that is just awesome yeah I so I said that and i remember i think somebody in chat kind of poked fun of me and i was like wondering if my math is right so if you look at it, so Nick has it pulled up. So team one is the Panfam side or the Pappy side, whichever you want to call it. So Fire and Friends with Test and Horde. And then team two is Imperium along with um, RMC. I think team three is like the random dudes that kind of showed up but aren't on any real side. Maybe they're just there to whore. But like if you look with team one and team two and then the little icon at the top, it says 1.0 trillion is lost. And if you look, it's a ton of dreads and hacks and it looks absolutely like amazing for a fight at least at least in my opinion i don't know but i think this is like the biggest fight we've seen since the end of the war which is kind of nice i feel like the war at least to me desensitized me to some of these fights because it used to be oh if it's not 100 billion is gloss and who cares and so now that we're seeing some of these big fights again like i'm super excited about it yeah it's definitely very cool but like i don't think it's gonna affect either side like Gainsform have very deep pockets. Vietnam showed that pretty much. It's just like how, I guess, how much time are they willing to spend grinding in favor of ballers and, you know, how much they want to dedicate to it. Like, I'm pretty sure they can de dedicate a lot to it. And, like, that's not going to put a dent into their war chest, but 
I mean, no, you're right. But at the same time, like with the way the economy is, like I hear all these economists talking about how, quote, nobody's building caps and all this and that. So when you lose caps, you either have to have, like for this instance, dread caches or carrier caches, or you either dump a ton of resources being minerals and isk into actually rebuilding them. So fights like these are, are really good to see for, you know, who has that supply or who can like meet the demand of, you know, replacing these. But I, I, at the same time, I don't think either side is going to actually attempt to build caps in this economy. Or maybe I've been lied to about the economist with how bad it is. I'm like the least informed person about industry. Like industry is not mine really. But like, I think since these are two like mega coalitions, right? They have huge caches of like dreads, faxes, whatever. So like it's it's going to take some time. I don't think anyone's really going to build caps, at least not as like in the quantity like before uh, scarcity. But like it's going to barely make it then, I think. You know, a couple of things we don't know and, and the folks have alluded to is like, you know, obviously the different coalitions have some pretty deep pockets and probably some good sized caches. But obviously none of them at the end of the last big war said how close they were or how much they really, how much it hurt. So that's speculation on our part. And as far as folks building caps now, now granted, I'm not building them anymore, mainly because I'm in high sec, but most of the items I've been producing, I'm shipping out to know who uses them to build caps. I don't know on what scale though. All right. Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't know insight into any other alliance except my own, and my own is having Kenneth Feld. So I know us as an alliance, the PL, like crowdsources a lot of what they need. So if we need minerals or PI or something, whatever it may be, we'll crowdsource it if we need and like have folks go out and rat it, rat it or mine it or crab it or whatever way. But I also know Kenneth said like he was, I think he said, I don't know if this is in like secret or not, but he said he had like thousands of munins ready to go for Vietnam. And I know PL did not lose thousands of munins. So those munins are sitting somewhere. But stuff like that, I know. But like PL's a small alliance where, you know, when you only have like 100 people flying munins in a fleet, it's a lot easier to be ready for that compared to, you know, someone like Horde, might, which might have two or three fleets just on their own. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting. I'm curious. I'm really curious to see, like, if folks are going to attempt to try this again with the Dread Brawl or if if they're actually not able to replace them or it's too risky, like too big of a loss. I mean, it's always circumstantial. I think especially groups like Imperium more like more likely to do it than other groups. I think they're like willing to risk more and they know that they can uh, replace it. I think same goes for like Pappy, I guess, but I think they're a little bit more risk averse on that because reasons, which, which is fair. Like I think the April 1st battle showed it. Because um, on that four timer, both sides expected to have a second red ball. But I think groups like Init brought in like 60 Titans and a lot of supers. And, uh, you know, Imperium expected Fire to bring their super fleet. They expected us to bring a bunch of dreads, but like it didn't happen. And I don't know how much industry plays into it. But like, I think the fact that like Init brought in 60 Titans is a huge. Uh, motivator of why the second fight didn't happen yeah usually if you bring super cap superiority like especially 
I think it's a lot easier for Imperium to move theirs than it is for like Horde or Test moves and not. Maybe not for Fire, but I know Fire probably can't rival the numbers of Imperium's caps. No, definitely not. No. Yeah, that was probably the deterrent for why why stuff didn't escalate. I wish it would have, would have escalated like another five hour brawl, like another trillion loss would have been really cool in the same system, but yeah. Yeah, that's a. A lot of people get hopeful for that. I know I was hopeful, but it's a, it's a shame. But hopefully, as we see, you know, things heat up or continue to heat up in Faithabolus with Imperium moving in, we'll maybe see some more fights. I So that was the BR. Nick, I don't know if you had anything else you thought we missed. Nope, not me. I was just the one thing I wanted to bring up on that. I think a very, like, cool aspect about the fight is that someone from Imperium from uh tnt they dropped a vehemoth or vehement whatever the trade call is called the faction trade yeah and that's not something you see all all the time and like it, it's i think it's really cool but uh, it shows that pockets are pretty deep over there yeah it's always nice when people bring out their um, fancy toys to some of these fights rather than just like leaving them docked feel like that's also a good segue. I don't know if we want to segue unless you had anything. I'll say, LB, Thomas, did you guys have anything more you wanted to add or wanted to say about the fights or the situation down in the South? I was going to say, otherwise, I'd say that's a pretty good segue. Oh, you linked the BR. Nick, you want to show the vehemoth? Give me one second. All right. Yeah, that's going to be super obnoxious to replace. Fancy stuff dying. I love it. And speaking of fancy stuff dying... That we actually put in the show notes is called AT ships dropping like flies. So there's, I think we, over the past couple weeks, it feels like an AT ship has died every week. And that's something we've never really seen before, I think, in all the history of EVE, except during Alliance tournaments when they actually would die in the, in the Alliance tournament and um, the Alliance tournament itself rather than like out in space. So we've seen a Laylapse, a Raiju, a Rubisu. I also, I think last night someone said there was another a lay lapse that was self-destructed, but I haven't seen any evidence of it. I feel like that's people just dr- like drama mongering. These ships are out there and they're dying. I'm not sure if it's all Von Hull or if they're just maybe getting unlucky fighting. I'm looking through the BRs. Or not the BRs, sorry, the kill mails. Yeah, this one. So the lay, the lay lapse from Tinker Hull was from Von Hull. He was at the very bottom. The... Oh yeah, there's this one that uh, I think was this Raiju from the Tuskers. If I remember correctly, was this one where he, I think he like warped over and like was instantly blapped by Drifter battleships. Sorry, friends, my cat says hello. But that's like super, I could say super frustrating where if you died in PC, is like, that's oh, always yeah. the worst. Look, looking at a uh, bunch of Tyrannos on that one. Yeah, and if I, I'm trying to remember, because there was a story I read where one guy, he like was using his alt and like his alt got tackled, so he warped over and then instead it was his AT ship that got blapped. So it's got to be frustrating. And then the last one, K-Tail, K-Tall, gosh, I can never say his name, and Amamake. So that's an Amamake PD dude. And he actually died to a bunch of bombers, which I was shocked about because he was in the Rubisu, which you normally never see out and about. But he died to bombers, and if you actually look at his kill mail, I was, like, confused because TikTok was on it, and I know they're friends, but TikTok apparently was just whoring, so he must have got caught out pretty bad. That's a yeah. lot of ISK in AT ships. That's pretty awesome. I'm I'm just glad these folks are undocking them and they're not hanger queens. Yeah, so a lot of these names, at least with, 
like Ketel or Ketel, like he's, I'm pretty sure he was Amamake PD, but he would, he would, uh, whatchamacallit, like always fly AT ships and like him and TikTok and all them. So like them flying them now is like not really surprising, but a lot of these other groups are, you know, like new owners of AT ships, like with the way CCP is doing Alliance tournament handouts now where they're giving out 140 to like top eight or 16 teams. I forget the exact number. And then also, you know, like a lot of, a lot of people, first of all, a lot more ships, but then a lot of different people having those ships. So instead of it being like the same four to six teams every year, it's, you get a big variety. It's going to be a lot more opportunity for uh, Von Hohl and his friends to hunt them down. Yeah. I know we talked about it on another show, but I think Von Hohl is saying he like left his main in high sec for like the first month or whatever so that people would actually risk their ships and now it seems like he's out there actually hunting too cracks me up though the guy like earns such a reputation that it's kind of like detrimental to him continuing to to hunt well that's <laughs> one of the beauties of eve is you can hunt on a different character yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah i know in pl we have an adrestia i say we it's more it's headliners adrestia and it only shows up when we're all drinking and somebody shows up in LXQ and headliners like, yeah, guys, let's go kill him. So the other day he warped his Adrestia in on top of three golems and we were all like screaming and panicking because an Adrestia is, well, it's an Alliance tournament ship. It's only a cruiser. I don't know if you guys know golems are pretty scary. So it was like three marauders against his poor little Adrestia and he like panic warped and managed to make it out. And we like blobbed the hell out of him trying to save him. So it's we we keep asking him though if he's going to continue to use it because now we're suspecting that Von Hol's going to come after him. All right, I don't know, LB, you have anything to say about AT ships? Like Nick said, it's nice to see them undocked and not just uh, collecting dust. Do you ever buy an AT ship? Oh no, I'm super poor, super space poor. The next the next thing, so maybe, well, maybe someone will let me sit in one. If you only sit in it though, you got to give it back. That's how it works. Oh, is that how it works? Never mind. I'm waiting for an AT mining ship, but you know, and I will undock it. <laughs> Need an alliance tournament sponsored by Ore, and then you can use or whatever, and then like the prize ship is like Ore Dreadnought or something that just like one shots asteroids. Okay, so we talked about AT ships, and Thomas was talking a little bit about this earlier with like the fancy the fancy Dreadnought that uh, TNT dropped. So FRT actually had, there's a Natra actually dying pure blind. I don't think we see a lot of these dying. I've seen a couple of them actually like fielded, but this was kind of impressive being able to see one that was actually used and dead. This is an old BR though. This was from the 26th. So like a couple weeks ago. I don't know. Maybe my math is wrong. Oh, Saturday. So, okay. So not too long ago. So it was, Are we talking about the Zenitra? Hang on, yeah. I, got, I got the BR for it. Give me a second. Do, okay. Because it was, I'm, I'm looking at it, and it looks just like a, a small fight between, like, or with, like, Brave and Fraternity on one side. It looks like Pandemic Horde was there, too, against, uh, like, Volta and Friends. So it looks just like, like a Dread Brawl, probably. Oh, it looks more like uh, Volta Dread Bombed Fraternity. Kind of did not go well for Fraternity. They lost the Zanatra, but they also lost a bunch of other stuff, too. But like this is where it was like maybe like just under a hundred billion is lost. So that's like me being super jaded and being like, blah, who cares? But like this is actually really interesting to see. I'm glad folks are, you know, finding these small fights that, you know, can deliver content. 
the War Eagle Fleet. And that actually maybe looks right, because there are some eagles on this BR. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Oh, War Eagle Fleet. Oh, that's the corp he's talking about. Yes, that's the War Eagle Fleet. Looks like looked like it was a lot of fun. Yeah, so if you look at the the alliance of the Zenatra dude, he's in War Eagle Fleet. Fraternity and docking. Hmm? I said I'm blind. I can't find it. No worries. Fraternity and docking knowing everything was going to die, but it was a content fleet. Oh, you were on that fleet. Okay, somebody in chat was on that fleet. He said it was fun. Yeah, but it's always fun. When yeah, you, it doesn't uh, look too big to... Was the tie-dye all right? How'd that turn out? We'll see if he responds about the tie-dye. Yeah, there's about a 20-second lag from when we talk to they hear it, so hopefully he'll catch okay. us. And I found the Zenitra. Yeah. So it looks like they tried to bring some dreads. I don't think they killed any of the Volta dreads, though, from what I saw. We're jumping and jumping, trying to find a fight. Nice. No tie-dye. Ooh, that's even better. If you were flying around trying to find a fight with your dreads, and then you get dread-bombed, and there was no tie-dye. Well, it's probably really scary, though, because tie-dye helps you, I don't know, think a little bit. But that's awesome, though. No tie-dye fights are also really fun. Yeah, it looks like there's only roughly 200, 210 folk in the fight, so that would definitely keep it down to a dull roar. Most cool. Yeah, it was actually, it looks, real, looks like it was a lot of fun. All right, if we want to segue, I'm going to skip ahead, because I... I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this. I've seen it over social media, but no one's really talking about it. But the Plex for Good campaign. So people have been focusing on Plex for Good, helping raise money to help those who are impacted by the war in Ukraine. And CCP actually finally came out with the totals. So that ended a couple of weeks ago and they have the totals. It was the most money ever raised for a single campaign for Plex for Good. And it was over $500,000. So an insane amount of money um, raised by the player base. Like even if you look at the ones in the past, so like the bushfires for Australia was only a hundred thousand, the COVID COVID nineteen pandemic was one hundred thirty ish thousand. So this one like blew everything out of the water. It seems. Yeah, half a billion dollars for Ukraine. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. If you combine the last three, they don't. It's, it gets pretty close to equaling just the Ukraine one. So if you combine like Philippines and uh, the COVID nineteen one. You're, you're still under 500000 Yeah, it's, it's an insane amount of money. And they, it's interesting, too, because they talk about, like, on this link, they'll say still want to donate, and then they list all the campaigns that are, not the campaigns, the organizations that are actually actively helping Ukraine where you can give money directly. And, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's insane. And they've, I think they gave the funding to two different groups unhcr so the un refugee agency and then oh wait or is it yeah the un refugee agency and then the national bank of ukraine humanitarian assistance yeah three actually the first one's un high commissioner on refugees yeah so those are going to directly help the people affected by the war which is it's always like i know with me i do a lot of fundraising and it's always super intimidating to try and find an organization that you know isn't shady or isn't using the money, you know, or, you know, takes half the money and then only half of it actually reaches the end goal. So having CCP vet these organizations. So if you scroll down too, they also list more organizations that you can donate to. It's like Red Cross, Doctors Without, folks like them. And that's actually really helpful having, you know, a corporation validate and vet these groups. So, you know, folks like us, our individual contributors can help out. Yeah. Just like you were saying, the UNHCR, 
the United Nations High Commission on Refugees. It helps refugees around the world. So any money that goes to them isn't necessarily going to Ukraine, since there's other hotspots and, and conflict areas throughout the world. But the National Bank of Ukraine Humanitarian Assistance, that goes uh, directly to, to Ukraine. And what it is, they, the bank will, will give out assistance to people, food, clothing, shelter, and they'll also give a, a one-time loan to people who are affected by, by the war. Yeah, it's been pretty impressive. I've also, I like to commend the CCP community, not the CCP community, the online community. So, you know, we have global players all across the world, both from Ukraine and from Russia. And so I know individuals on both sides of the war, right? Like I always feel like wars started, this is probably maybe a little too political, so you guys can yell at me, but war is always started by people who aren't affected by the war, right? Like you have these politicians at the top who do things and then you know, soldiers who probably don't want to be doing stuff are stuck there. And then the civilians who don't want to be in a war are stuck there. And that includes like our fellow EVE Online players, right? Like, I don't know if I know anyone who's ever like in game or real life who's been supportive of this. So seeing everyone kind of come together to work to try and help people, you know, who have been impacted has been absolutely amazing. And that includes the Plex for Good campaign, but also items in game. So EVE Online you know, you can never pause it. You can never stop stuff from happening. But players have really come together to, you know, structures or space by people who cannot do it themselves. And I've, I think that's really admirable from a, a group, a group of, I would say, cutthroat, like, assholes overall. Like, that's how the EVE Online reputation has been. And so seeing it, them kind of act the opposite has been amazing. So mad props to everyone. Do you get, unless you guys have anything more, we can move on to a different... Topic? Yeah, I just I just saw in uh, chat from Sophia about Plaintiffs Coalition evicted evicted some folks out of their hole in a wormhole. Oh wow! So the Plaintiff Coalition finished the eviction of Atlantis, which I think was Ashtarothy's hole, wasn't it? His wormhole. He says I hauled it all out, sold to a private buyer, dumped a whole lot on HSBB. I don't know what that means. Converted is to Plex and donate. It's over 10,000 Plex. They have no idea how much that is in dollars, but felt good to be part of this round of Plex for good. That's actually super wholesome where you yeah. you use your in-game. Like. HSBB is high sec buyback. Oh. So sold it all to high sec buyback. Use the is to buy Plex. Donate to that. That's, that, uh, that's our sponsor. Yeah. So that's, that's one of our sponsors. Them and Raid Shadow Legends. But, so no, that's awesome. That <laughs> and NordVPN. <laughs> NordVPN. But no, that's awesome that you guys are able to do that, Sophia. Taking something like an in-game conflict, especially one that was kind of meme and then turning it into something good. That's real admirable. All right. So do we want to segue to the next topic? We can touch on... I was going to say we can touch on some of this simple stuff. Like there's like a free outfit set in Explo Forget Skin on the Epic Store, which I don't know. I don't know anyone who uses the Epic Store. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I tried to to cash in on that, but... I don't, I don't know how, I guess. I thought, I really, I think you have to like link your EVE Online account to the Epic Store. And I don't know if I want to tell people to do that. Because that seems like, you know, like when you do it with Steam, then you can only access it from Steam. Yeah, if you, right. in fact, if you go to the link, hang on a second, I got to pull this up. Clicked on it and it said no longer available. So maybe it isn't, but I could also be using it wrong. No, it, it just shows up as blank unless you sign in. That's effort. So just, just so you know, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, so I guess if you if you click the link and sign in and you can buy it, yeah, claim the free by, oh, by April 7th to get stunning skins. And I don't think it's 
account bound. So if you maybe make a new account, claim it, and then send it to your main or something like that, you could do it. But yeah, that seems that seems like a lot of effort for skins. But I know Asherathi was talking about, I think it was on open comms, and they actually look super pretty. <gasps> you pulled up the new April Fools. Yes, I love this. We're going to talk about April Fools because it was hilariously good. I'm going to throw it out there because everyone doubted me. Suetonia becoming CCP Kestrel is not an April Fool. He's been talking about it for weeks on the stream. He is actually a CCP dev now, QA analyst for the live events team. But CCP's actual April Fools was pretending to release an app called, what was it, Divinity Social or something along those lines, where it's kind of like Tinder, but for Eve players sort of thing. And the whole thing's about from friendship to relationship. They say you can like build a profile and filter out what you want to see. And then in the same post that they did, they also included the uh, the Proving Grounds event. So that's not an April Fool's, but you can definitely go in and play in the Proving Grounds. And I've heard from a lot of people that it's chaotic and hilariously fun. But yeah, CCP made a whole video about how to find your love in EVE Online. And it was like kind of cringy, but also really hilarious at the same time. Yeah, uh, the yeah, I've heard from the uh, from people that the, the uh, Proving Ground event is like, it's crazy. It's all over the place because there's there's buffs, there's debuffs, there's there's uh, bonuses like like this chaos bonus a plus one hundred percent ship velocity plus one hundred percent inertia plus one hundred percent like for everybody in the in the arena. So like that's crazy. But then you can fly around and and find mystery nexuses in the arena that will either buff or debuff your ship in the arena. So you might go in and get a. A chaos bonus that doesn't affect your ship as much as you'd like, but then you can fly around and find one of these mystery nexus buffs, which increases the the the, the qualities of your ship. So that's that's super fun. That's yeah. I don't think that's ever been done before in in the in the proving grounds. Anyways, I know it was in the Doctor Who event. If you flew through a certain cloud, it would it'd speed up your ship or slow it down. It's done in the abyss as well, like different clouds, different things. Yeah, it's it's been exciting. Like seeing the fact that CCP did that, it's really funny that they include it in their April Fool's post. And it's also even better because it's like four cruiser free-for-all. So it's 1v1, v1, v1, you like you and three other people. And then it's only tech one module. So I think it was, I think they said meta zero, which means you can't even use like the like compact modules or anything like that. So you're kind of like bare bones, like bare minimum of what your, your poor little cruiser can do with their fit and your damage and tank and stuff. Did you see the um, Star Citizen also made a dating app? I did. I saw. So it was like Star Citizen made a dating app and they like retweeted CCP's tweet. And they're like, hey, if you can't find anything on Divinity Social, come over here to Mesher or something like that. Yeah. And then I think there was one more team that did another dating app. It was like these I three. Think it was Stellaris. Yeah. Was oh, a yeah, yeah. Space games that made dating apps all at the same time. It was kind of funny. Yeah, I don't know. Then, uh, I saw one tweet where CCP threw shade back at uh, Star Citizen. They were like, oh, this is a bold venture because of the, the venture versus vulture uh, ship model ripoff. Yeah, yeah, that I was, remember that. that. Was slick. I wonder if they all like got together and uh, decided to come out with some of these April Fools. It was pretty clever. But yeah, sorry, I'm reading. I Sorry, chat, you're distracting me. I'm reading Twitch chat instead of talking. There were a couple other, I saw a couple other gaming, like April Fools. Like a lot of them like made like NFT jokes. I saw Corsair, I think it was, made a single key keyboard. And like, oh yeah, that's right. 
And then, like, so they have pictures of it, but they legitimately made a single-key keyboard to, like, kind of show it off, and, like, they went all in on it. But, yeah, I feel like April Fool's is good, but I'm throwing it out there again. Suetonia is a CCP dev. That was not an April Fool's joke. So, I really, I would really hope CCP wouldn't make April Fool's jokes like that, but I also know he was a dev, or was becoming a dev in March. Because he talked about it on his stream all the time. I think you should have gone with CCP pickup line. Yeah, me too. Oh, Domin or not Dominic. Nick, you're showing off the uh, the Eve meet. So we had an Eve meet. Gosh, I couldn't like I couldn't resist. <laughs> so we had an Eve meet last month. There's been a couple of Eve meets actually. So one of them was the Midwest meetup. So that was we did that in So Dominic um Dominic and I helped host it and you can see a lot of the pictures people have posted and shared. A lot of folks showed up. It was probably overall between 20 and 30. And then there was like a group of like 10 that would mostly kind of figure out where everything was. And we kind of would cycle through it. It was a ton of fun, though. Like it made me realize, like, no matter how much you plan for an Eve meet, stuff will always happen and you have to be able to adapt on the fly. But it was it was a ton of fun. I feel like the only time we took photos was when all of us were sitting and eating. We did a lot of events and I don't think anyone took photos. But uh, it was it was super fun. Highly, highly recommend. If you've never hosted an Eve meet, definitely take the plunge and try it. It was worth it. And then I don't have any photos because there was the Montreal meetup as well. So I I don't have anything from them. So I know a guy named Ben was organizing it. So maybe I'll reach out to him and he can share some photos next week. But I heard like they had their own like customized swag and everything. And they probably had stuff from CCP too. Meetup is becoming sort of a regular thing. It's put on by Ben and he's a... Uh the executor for Story in Advance, which is also a, a Red Menace Coalition alliance. So he lives in Esoteria with us. And I think the, the big advert for that one was they had this unlimited bacon and maple syrup bar. So you, you get your fill of bacon and maple syrup at, a, at an Eve meet. So perfect. Yeah. It sounded like a lot of fun. And they had like, I think it was, yeah, anyone was welcome to come as long as you can make it to Montreal for the day. And that, that was the big one. And then there are, there are Eve meets coming up. So in a little over a month, CCP is going to be hosting the first fan fest in like four years. So if you are able to make it, highly recommend. If you're like me and LB and Nick where you cannot, that's okay too. So how come fan fest is not the Harpa? So there's a handful of things. Riot Games did their, I think it was their World Series for League of Legends at the old, old, old venue that CCP used to host at. So that's all set up for esports, and CCP is doing a big tournament this year. I say big tournament. It's the it's the finale of the Worlds tournament where when they did the World Tour in 2019, they had winners from each each meetup get a free trip to FanFest to go and compete. So having that esports focus is a lot easier to do at the new venue. And then the Harpa, I'm guessing with the fact that the pandemic's been locked down, the Harpa is like the biggest venue at in Iceland and in Reykjavik. So what they'll do is they'll, you know, people probably book it up fast. So I'm not sure if CCP said, hey, you know, we have this other plan. Let's just skip it for this year. So then we, you know, maybe we don't have to pay like extra costs or whatever. So they're just trying something new. If you are, if you really like the old area where the Harpa was, it's only like a 40 minute walk. So if you can tough the cold and the wind and not get completely lost, you're more than welcome to try and do that. It's not like the end of the world or anything along those lines. All right, what are we showing? Is you talking about the harp? Oh, you're showing the FanFest stuff? Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff coming out related to FanFest. I've seen a lot of predictions and a lot of guesses from folks, but it should be lots of fun. 
New Nick's menu. got the Road to FanFest blog up or the, the forum post. Nice. Okay. What is on there that we haven't seen yet? I know we've seen the, we've seen the battleship buffs. We've seen the the rollback of surgical strike. Citadels. We've seen the citadels as has been talked about. Yes. Uh, what else is on there that hasn't been talked about yet, though? Well, one that's near and dear to my heart is, you know, buff to the or Proteus rebalance. That's always been one of my favorite ships. Yeah, Aurora's been it's, changing it up a bit. Oh, go on. Sorry. Yeah. That, that's really been pushed by CCP Mirage, I think, because he's been tweeting a lot about him and his Modius flying around in wormholes. So I think he's the driving force behind that. Wants to make his Proteus a little bit better. I mean, hey, well, it, it is, as far as T3's <clears throat> cruisers go, it has been kind of left, been left behind. And, you, you know, so maybe just a, a slight increase here and there might help out. And then I do know there was a tweet by CCP where they talked about some of the, presen the presenters. I'm going to take a gamble and attempt to find it. But so every year they have Eve TV hosts, which are the folks on the stream who talk in between the segments, if you've been watching at home. And then they also have eat like player presenters. So not only does CCP get up there and present or, you know, quote unquote, famous people get up there to present like Scott Manley, but they have player presenters. So I know Torvald's going to be doing one. I think Dunk Dinkle's doing one, but I'm going to find the list so that way we can give shout outs to all those folks. Because I'm pretty sure, pretty sure we probably have some of our people going as well. They can see it. Or right, this is a mistake. There's too much April Fool's stuff going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I found it. So, so Dunk Dinkle, Torvald, Mike Azariah, and then Oz, the guy who does the economy stuff. Benjamin Rushing, which I believe is the Eve Montreal dude. And then, oh, I'm going to say his name wrong. Kiakt which, if I remember correctly, is the Fun Incorporated guy, so the MPSI group. So the, these individuals are at least some of the folks who are doing the even the player presenters. I don't know who the TV hosts are, and I don't know. It doesn't say what they're talking about. It's just like a, a tweet kind of showing it. So there you can see the tweet yourselves. Pull it up for you, Nick. No worries. Yeah, I'm waiting. No worries. And for some reason, they used open comms as the picture <laughs> which was both kind of hilarious and jarring at the same time but eventually <laughs> eventually they will have a uh, like a full itinerary of who's doing what when so then we can we can actually then talk about it for you know things we want to see things we don't want to see i'm kidding we want to see everything yeah so the, those are some of the individuals so if you're there and you, I don't know, you really want to hear about something that somebody has to talk about, definitely go to those events. I've done player presenting before, and it is intimidating as heck being on a stage where half the time you can't see the crowd. So having more people there, I don't know. I feel like that's a comfort, you know, just show felt support to your fellow players. And then what else, what else have they talked about with FanFest? Have we, talked to, we haven't talked about the Photon UI, have we? No, we not have not. So I know CCP announced, I don't know, it's not related to FanFest, but they announced that they're upgrading the UI and they want folks to go out and test it. So you can go on CC and and look at it. Great, the Gray Bill, I don't know if you guys know who they are, but they, they're a blogger and they've actually had like this neat feature where you can go on the blog and see the before and after with the UI and you can kind of scroll to see how it looks and see if you like it without trying it on CC. But I, it's probably good that 
for once. Normally when CCP, I feel like when CCP makes updates to the UI, they don't actually ask for feedback or listen to feedback. So I'm actually really excited that they're asking and listening to the feedback. I'm super stoked for that. I'm one of those people where I don't like change, so it makes me mad when they change things and I don't like it. But if you if you ever play on CC or you ever have free time and you're bored, yeah, there's a new UI. They call it Photon UI. And you can go out on Singularity and give it a shot. There's I got, a, I got that graphic up late, so I'm going to go ahead and link that in uh, chat for folks if they want to review it. But I don't know, LB, you haven't tested this at all, have you? No, I've just been looking at other people testing it. Yeah, same here. Asherothi got in on it as well. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, since I'm so grumpy about changes, I should probably go out and test it to make sure like any of my complaints are at least handed over before they, they before they push it on tranquility. Or maybe, ideally, my my perfect scenario is they keep it, they give you the option, like the map. You can use the old map or you can use the new map. That would be great for the UI as well. You're well, just basically, I guess what you're looking at is more options. You know, the same way with some yeah. folks really don't like the new skill planner. You know, ability to toggle some of the features on and off would probably be kind of helpful. Um, you know, being an older player, I'm having a hell of a time with that new uh, skill planner, and it's not that hard. I just don't get it. Yeah, it's just, it's always super frustrating trying to figure something out and then realizing, like, the text doesn't get you know, bigger or smaller or the borders don't change. Or, you know, I, I remember, I'm still grumpy about skill plan changes from back when I first started in 2014. I loved, like, the list, and then they kind of took away being able to see, like, a holistic list, and I really just... I'm like still grumpy about it. I'm going through Graybill's blog post and it looks like a couple of the major complaints are that title boxes for, for windows. So like, let's say your, your drone window, they're much bigger than, than the old UI. And in a game where like you want to have as much information on the screen as possible while conserving space, having a giant title box for like your drone window is probably not ideal. Yeah, I mean, so Nick's showing it too for those. And like some of them, some of them he allows you to scroll back and forth so you can see. But yeah, I know like if you're not in like a 4K monitor, all the, the screen space you can get just just to not only see what's in the bot the info in the boxes, but also so you can see what that, what's actually happening out in space. Yeah, and quite a few of us don't have a, you know, a 4K monitor, that's for sure. So I, I'm stretched across 327s that can barely make it happen yeah i know with me it's the same i always want to make like my drone windows smaller and then my watch list smaller and like they're stuck at a certain certain length so it becomes super difficult that's it if you haven't gone there the gray bills write-up is really well done yeah, definitely give it a look i've i'll post it again for those in chat with local you can squish it down to just be a list and not actually see any of the local chat which is ideal for jita there's a couple of systems like that, but yeah, Jadu was obviously the the biggest one. And that might also help when you start getting into the higher player count battles where you just really don't want local. Yeah. If you're if you're flying in Jeter, if you're flying against a, a test fleet, you don't want local to be seen. <laughs> yep. I know for us, like it was always weird as a new player because like people would tell me you have to have local open and then I would go to Jita and they'd be like, no, no, not in Jita. 
And then even in these big fights, I remember there's been a few fleets I've been on where you have these like over a thousand people fights and we'll just link every alliance that's not ours. And then you can right click block and therefore you don't have to see local spam. And then at the end of the fight, you right click unblock. So then that way, you know, people could message you or whatever. But that's like a really sad, like, I don't know, like strategy to try and overcome the spam of local because local... Well, now it's on a cloud. It used to, if you spammed local, it used to actually lag the game. It was really obnoxious. Yeah, this thing, I'm, I'm kind of, the, the Gray Bill write up there kind of sucked me in. It's uh, really in, got some great points. Gray Bill's pretty good. He blogs quite often, are they? I'm assuming Gray Bill's he, but I've never actually talked to them. But uh, I think they've been blogging for like years. I've never, I feel like ever since I started, they've always had some pretty articulate and pointed blogs. All right, what do you got next, lady? I'm looking through, and some of this feels old. So as part of the Plex for Good, they did the Frigate Free-for-All, which broke records. I think it was largest fight in low sec, and largest fight in low sec, and then it was like the one of the top 10 bit, like most like bloodiest fights ever, like based on how many ships died. If I'm, re- if I'm remembering correctly, I, I kind of forget. I know CCP posted the stats. But I know the 8th annual Stay Frosty Forget Free For All was definitely the biggest low-sec fight. And then there was the uh, Battleship Brawl, I believe, that Darkshine's put on for Plex for Good on the same day. So lots of, lots of quote-unquote fun content fights have been happening, at least over the last couple weeks. I feel like if we we had done this a couple weeks ago we could actually talk about it live but looking at it now doesn't seem as exciting i just know i got 80 kill mails from the frigate free for all because that well, was great yeah it's not that it's not fun to look at it's just it's no longer relevant to what's yeah. happening in eve today yeah although i will say next year if you have the chance definitely join in there are a ton of fun both like both events like any of these events that people put on a lot of the npsi groups usually put them on too but you should definitely join in or at least, you know, watch because, you know, they're entertaining. Some of the other stuff that's happened. I know there's Eve Mogul is shutting down, but like, I don't know if we want to talk about that without like Tronica here. It was a long time running project and then they're going to shut down the database. That's what Tronica posted on their, on their discord. I believe it's based on like a light reading. It looks like, looks like it's probably just due to real life. Like it sounds like the, the project has been running for the longest time, and then they're finally trying to close it down to focus on IRL. Yes, there's there's Jeronica's post. I don't have much more to contribute than that. I know of I know of Jeronica from like when I first started the game, and then I've heard of Eve Mogul, but otherwise not much more than that. Is that the same guy who was doing the the five v five tournament? No, that's Jeronix. Right. But yeah. So, so um, many names. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's kind of like where I'm at. Where I know I know of Eve Mogul. I don't really know what it is. I, I don't know if it's just like a third-party tool or I know they've had structures in places, probably for building or selling things. But we can, if we want. I know they said July first, so we can wait and see if we can get someone to come talk about it. I think your heavy-duty industry folk would be the ones to look at that more than I do. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. The other gaming, I'll say gaming news, that's kind of like, that was relevant for a while, and now it feels like a distant past, was around the Prospector pack. So there was a lot of player outcry. A bunch of people wrote some words. 
And then Redline led the charge with, with LB actually doing the Eve blackout. And shortly after the Eve blackout, CCP released a statement. It was along the lines of showcasing, the packs were showcasing something that was going to be discussed more at FanFest. So I know a lot of folks have been speculating on what that was. But for now, the packs have been removed. So if you are going to FanFest or you do care passionately, passionately about CCP's monetization scheme, definitely get your words together constructively. Share that with CCP when the time comes to announce whatever plan that may or may not be. Ideally, in my my perfect world, I would hope that they wouldn't monetize the selling of of ships that cannot be easily obtained, you know, through like the new player experience. But that's also, you know, I'm not the one in charge, so it's neither here nor there. But part of, part of what I heard about that was the, and, and again, this may be tinfoil, but like the prospector pack with the retriever, it's kind of test floating something that is going to be player built and sold as opposed to created out of thin air. I think I like theory crafted something along those lines of, you know, you know, if, if Hilmar is saying Eve has to be play to earn or something along those lines, like who says, like, instead of having somebody RMT or whatever, why not, you know, have them do something like this, which I mean, that's, I don't know. That's speculation. I'm curious. CCP did say they'll talk about it more at FanFest, so I'm kind of like excited to see what they're going to say. I want to see you know, what their thoughts were. I'm hopeful that they're not going into monetization and stuff out of thin air. But at the same time, like it's the post, Swift's post was kind of vague. You know, it was very, I'll say, political, corporate political. So was, Yeah, so. but at the same time, pretty much in line with Swift anyway, so... Yeah, yeah. Swift's really good with words, but I'm I'm trying to find exactly what they were saying. Part of our experimentation. Let me let me keep reading. So the Prospector Pack expands this concept to offer more significant upgrade for young pilots in theme with our in mining NP. We hear voices about the continued escalation of this concept and want to reassure you that our design remains directed towards new players. I thought he said it was going to be announced at FanFest or something discussed at FanFest. Oh, yeah, right here. Eve economic impact and the integrity of the player market are top priority. We have limited this pack to one player per account, closely monitoring its effect on the player market. One of the topics for FanFest is a new project that we're in the middle of developing. It will transform these in any future packs, a paradigm. The packs of this type will be supplied by players, ensuring that any ship we offer to new players through sales will have origins from actual player work in New Eden, made for new players by veterans. So, like, that's where I'm, you know, it's... It's kind of talking about something, but nobody knows exactly what. So I'm curious to see what CCP will announce at FanFest. The yeah, best so. case scenario is is NPC buy orders for ships that players built. And then the, the NPCs can then turn around and to, to new players, I guess, for cash. Yeah, that's... Yeah, it'll be... I mean, yeah, I just have no idea how, how it will work. Or I'm also not an economy person, so I don't know how it will affect the economy. I just know things out of thin air are bad. All right. But I know that was like a hot topic for like, it feels like the entire month of March. So it's good to kind of address it in the wrap up. So we still have yet another month towards FanFest, which we'll ideally hear more. Maybe they'll scrap the project. Who who the heck knows? Did you see this uh, handmade ship model that somebody auctioned off? Yes. I had no idea someone was doing that, but it looks amazing. They raised like, was it like... How much Plex was it? Like, I want to say 500,000, but I feel like that's wrong. 800,000. 800,000 oh 800, Plex. That's insane. 
And that was for the Plex for Good campaign. So if you want to convert that to real dollars, we did it on open comms. We converted it to real world dollars, but we were well lubricated by that point. So it may be uh, incorrect. Let me pull up the calculator here and figure it out. All right. Because I think it was they were auctioning it off on the assumption that all all the money would go towards Plex for Good. And then I think somebody was matching it as well. So it was like 400,000 raised and then the individual who made it matched 400,000. 26,000 US dollars. Holy cow. That's what we came to. Your drunk math must be accurate because... I guess so. Or that, or Val was watching and wrote it down from there. <laughs> Might have been that too. I just did it on the on my calculator and it came as the same thing, $26,000. But this isn't a 3D printed ship. So everybody's saying, oh, just 3D print a fucking Orthrus and, and throw it out there. This is a handmade, hand modeled, 100% from scratch, hand designed ship for 800,000 plex, which is, uh, first of all, amazing that this person would create this ship. And second of all, amazing that 800,000 plex was, was thrown at it. Oh, yeah, that's again. awesome. God, I wish we had a picture of it. That would be even better. Hold on. I saw the picture somewhere and I don't know how to get back to it. It's in the community beat. Oh, that's where it was. Okay. I was looking at all the plucks for good stuff and I couldn't find it in there. I linked community beat in uh, Twitch chat. Ah, thank you, sir. Hand designed and modeled out of fully recycled materials. Uh, cardboard rolls from the inside of toilet paper. It looks really, really good. And it's like painted and everything too. Like, so it's an Orthrus and that's like, what is it? It's one of those skins. The orangish reddish one. That's amazing. That is really well done. That's awesome. Bad props to them. Not only for doing that, but yeah, like LB was saying, for raising the money for Plex for Good. 800,000 Plex is 133 years of game time. Oh my gosh. Wow. I mean, talk about the community beat. The Easter egg hunt. So the Garissa's event should be coming up, I'm guessing. 26, 26 April. This yeah, looks so like a separate event, though, this Easter egg hunt. So that one's a player-run one where they, I think they drop cans and stuff to try and give out prizes. But then there's also the Garistas event, which is a live event. So that's Fozzie's team. So Easter is not this weekend, not the upcoming weekend, but the 16th, 17th weekend. So I'm guessing the events, the live event will come out soon. And if there is no live event, then this one will still happen. This Easter egg hunt. So yeah, there's a YouTube video. There's a Discord link. So that's kind of where you just fly around and try to try to pick up like pick up stuff or get prizes. So definitely recommend checking that out. Like I was saying earlier, when there's these events that are happening in Eve, you should you should at least try to try to see if you can partake because they always seem fun as heck. I think we're slowly catching up on a lot of this news. Actually, I think we've caught up on everything. There's the February MER, but I don't want to talk about that without someone who's more economically in tune with things so otherwise i'm just gonna say "Ooh, look pretty graph <laughs> yeah i mean unless you guys want to hear me say that for five minutes i can do it no let's let's not as much as enjoyable as that is unless your cat was helping yeah if my cat was here we got to give the people what they want nick they want them to hear me say "Ooh, pretty graph we got to do it have you been watching uh caldari prime pony club's twitter lately uh Yes. So he's the guy that makes he makes custom skins, but he he does it really well. On Community Beat, there they reference some. Um, <laughs> remember the Evergreen freighter ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal? Yeah. Oh. He's yeah. got he's got a freighter with an Evergreen skin on it, and it's come off its moorings and it's jammed in the 
<laughs> in the undock lane of, of this station. It's pretty. Is it? Pretty it's in the community beat, though, right? Can you scroll, Nick? Yeah. I'm looking. That's so clever. I love it. That is hysterical. I love it. That is great. So, Kaldari Prime Pony Club is also, I call him Tambor because that's how he is on the even T stuff. Yeah. But he also used to be CSM. So I feel like he needs to get hired by CCP to do all of this. And then when, when inevitably he breaks some DMCA law, they can just like terminate him. I'm kidding. That would be bad. But it would be, he would be great for like the art team to try and get some of these ideas into practice or, you know, being that collaborator with the players for custom skins or something like that. that I, every time I, that's just hysterical partner spotlight with the the sofa yep and that's from the what was it not sky skies like clear skies clear skies thank you good lord lost my mind and i guess he's working on potentially a new one so yeah i think there was i think there's gonna be i I don't know if i'm remembering this correctly there's oh no i'm thinking of down the rabbit hole there was going to be a presentation at FanFest, and I thought it was going to be Clear Skies 4, but it's actually down the rabbit hole. So the guy doing like the five-hour YouTube video of EVE Online down the rabbit hole is going to be at FanFest as well. That is going to be cool. All right. I think that's all I have for news, unless you guys have anything more or Twitch chat has anything more. I'll pause there and let you guys yeah. talk. Um, I'm good. LB, how about yourself, sir? I got nothing. I've been away from the game all week, so. Same here. I've been working other than popping in in the evenings, knock out my PI and a little bit of this and that. I haven't had a lot of time either. Ugh, PI. Forgot about that. Did did I just ruin your Sunday? (laughs) (laughs) No. I mean, yeah, but no. All right. And I want to give a shout out to Thomas Wilkes. Or Wilk. He left earlier. He kind of got his words in and then left. I told him he was more than welcome to leave. He didn't have to sit and listen to us to us talk if he didn't really want to. But shout out to him for coming on and talking about the Dread Brawl in the South as well as the shenanigans that have been going on from the Fire Horde test side. And then thank you, LB, for coming on and speaking about RMC. I appreciate your, your contributions. Sure. Your, thank your you for su- having me. Yeah, your suffering of being chased around for 18 months has greatly contributed to the content of the stream we are oppressed i gotta keep a poker face anyway so thank you nick for engineering thank you to everyone in chat i appreciate you thanks for coming out and talking and distracted so i'm rain i've been your host um joined by lb and nick as you see on screen and then earlier thomas so thank you everyone we will see you next week and have a safe have a safe week and fly safe fly reckless <laughs>